That's all I can say. I guess I'll get some coffee while we're waiting. And some dick. You go. <laughs> I guess there's lots of that here at the house. You got a new shipment, right? <laughs> yeah, I've got Amazon Prime, and it's on subscription. Well, that's just Prime. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yep. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. This is your bi-weekly podcast that delivers an episode-by-episode breakdown of the G1 Transformers series. This is episode 105, uh, a, a strange place to be to be covering episode number one, more than meets the eye, of the Transformers series. Uh, welcome to the show, humans. I'm your host, Aaron, and if you're a longtime listener, you no doubt know this is the section where I tell you some amazing unbelievable but true story about my friendship <laughs> with these two gentlemen sitting here. For those just joining us, we analyzed, dissected, and, and some may say abused the 1986 classic Transformers the movie. Yes, every episode of our show explored one minute of screen time. They said it couldn't be done. They said it shouldn't be done. By they, I mean our significant others, but see, <laughs> we are people of action. Neil Armstrong, Steve Jobs, Oprah fucking Winfrey, Great humans like us don't ask why, we ask why not. And it took us a year and a half, but we did it. Feel free to go all the way back to episode zero if you want to take that journey with us. Consider that your invitation. 100% five-star ratings. Can't be all wrong. Uh, and, then we, and then we did it again with G.I. Joe the movie. Kind of. People said, no, you're crazy. You can't do that. This is a Transformers podcast. Or they might have said things like, we hate that idea. We'll never listen again. Or they might have said things like, that's a movie. <laughs> like our significant others did when we told them what we were doing. You know, we're men who defy convention. Gandhi, Barack Obama, Beyonce fucking Knowles. We, what we share with these peers of ours is that uh, we know that success doesn't just find you. You have to go out and get it. We don't wait for opportunity. We created. And speaking of creation, a great new story is beginning right now. From the uterus of inspiration comes our new project. So fresh, in fact, that we have just dabbed off that afterbirth, clamped the cord, and ramped it up in a warm towel. And if this beautiful little project doesn't latch on, we'll give it up for adoption. Because I have no tolerance for failure, Carolina. <laughs> okay. Wow. That's my stepdaughter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I see what you did. Co-fathering with me on this amazing new journey are my, are my hosts. Hey, I'm Ryan. <laughs> Does that mean I get to discipline Carolina also? Sure. If, if she's doing something I have wrong. a couple of questions. So, are we eating the placenta? Because people do that. We are baking it into a banana bread. Well, that's a terrible way. I was thinking pate. I don't know why. That's more gross to me. I watched a British baking show where a woman did that. She made it into pate. And how were the reviews? Of <laughs> I'm Caleb. <laughs> I mean, speaking to Neil Armstrong, we are rapidly approaching the 50-year uh, anniversary of landing on the moon. How about that? I mean, the hoax. Next uh, week. The beginning of the hoax. Stop it. You uh, will fill me with rage. <laughs> Caleb, your, your wife is on the hippie spectrum. Have you eaten placenta? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he never... He's looking at me ever so quizzically. <laughs> It seems like something that might end up in a. I'm trying to in analyze. a bag full of crystals. She's from Cal California. I'm analyzing my. She's, she's more level-headed than I am on many things. <laughs> I'm glad you gave her credit, and uh, you, if she ever listens to this, you'll she look comes, like a much better person. She than comes I am. from a super hippie background. I think it pushed her more. She, she okay. revolted against her. It. Yeah, her her father is a, a kung fu master. Yes, slash auto mechanic, and he looks exactly what you like yeah. what you're picturing. And her mother is yeah, pretty much a, a crystal. She's hippie. fun. Yeah, <laughs> quotes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like we said, this so this is a new journey. We're going to be reviewing the G one episodes. Yeah, and shout out to uh, Professor Insane at Insane Galvatron. He sent us a private message that was so good. We just said. 
eh, okay. All right. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't really have any better ideas. It was <laughs> his idea to do each episode because we had thought about just doing one off and right. like picking and choosing, but yeah. he was like, just the do the whole run. Yeah, yeah, we've been in denial, but, and, you know, because that means that we have to keep doing this for a long time. I think time. that we, you maybe <laughs> speak your version of particular denial. person. <laughs> Caleb loves doing the math of how long this will take us. <laughs> And in the mat, we were originally going to do, or we were we were talking about doing uh, each episode in two, two parts. Parts every two uh, weeks. Every two weeks, and we <laughs> did the a, math. And that'd be an episode a month. Mm-hmm. It'd take about seven and a half years. And we'd love to. <laughs> and that doesn't include any kind of interruptions at all. <laughs> we would love to do it. Ever go back to doing it weekly? We just don't have time right now. Well, and this is a little more labor intensive. It is like this is way. I, when we're doing research for a whole episode, it is way more right. labor intensive for two thirds of this podcast right. than doing the minute by minute. Yeah, don't have time. Don't want to do it that <laughs> well, often. What's the difference? Well, technically, it's uh, about twenty times more labor intensive for Caleb because. He was just watching a minute. Oh, that's true. He's watching a whole 22 minutes now. That's right. I had to watch a whole hour of this this week just to get, well, like, whatever. Get caught up for this, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It was a lot. So <laughs> on an effort-by-effort basis, he's actually putting it on a, on the percentages. This is I gone, guess, this I guess is gone so. way up for me. That's, hmm. So we're going to do it right per Insane Galvi's suggestion and go all the way back to the beginning of this bitch and kick things off where it all kicked off three-part series, More Than Meets the Eyes, Eyes plural, you know why? Why say more than meets the eye when you can say eyes? Yeah, I mean it's uh, not the name of the episode. Not everybody is shockwave. Most people aren't shockwave. Most, it's true. If you're, I would say everyone else is not shockwave. Fair enough, but Mm -hmm. I'm speaking of the singular eye. If you are a, (laughs) if you are soundwave, and you have a visor, visor, is that one eye? Oh, it's a visor. I don't think is so. Just a visor? Does he have two eyes back behind? I think I think so. I've seen him flip it up before, <laughs> like well, like Dwayne, like uh, Dwayne Wayne, Dwayne, Dwayne Wayne. <laughs> yes. Uh, shout out to all those who stuck with us through the Joe episodes. A lot of you liked it, including one member of this podcast. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, well, you uh, liked it. Ah. Uh, Till the end. A semi-vocal minority did not, but it's all good. Still a lot of fun for us. And this is a T- This is broadcasting during TFCon. Yep. So shout out to all those at TFCon. It's re- recording during TFCon. Well, it'll be out tomorrow. Oh, no yeah. shit? Yeah, I got oh, a re- we got some quick edit turnaround Got to write this. some summaries. Caleb's going to write the summaries in real time. Uh, <laughs> so Mike Seibert's there. Uh, you said you're, you, you're very wistful about not being there. I am. I... It's, I am, as I said on Twitter, feeling feelings about yeah. it. And I was found myself openly weeping in a I found feeling. myself just, you know, stalking the hashtags to like see what's going on. And while you just dig a knife into your leg. <laughs> Cybertronic sh- spree is there. Yeah. Or at least a couple more. I'm sure there's a lot Yeah, of, I saw a picture of Mike Cyber with him. Right. I'm sure there's a lot of people there asking, why aren't we there? They, it's, it's, I can't go on Twitter without seeing up outrage that the APDC is not in attendance. Well, I guess we'll have to get that Patreon going. Uh, some some of the more popular okay. podcasters out there, feel free to kick it off, guys. Uh, some of the more I, okay, popular I, podcasters out there, their trips get paid via yeah. their Patreon. Yep. So. so do I just, what do I do? I go to well, Patreon. Well, we just all, also just... have to agree what the extras are, like what people get for like, follow up one to, Mike had a good suggestion of doing just one, maybe $1, $5, and $10 levels. And Listener, we'd have to decide what somebody gets if they, like, what sticker? If given, listeners, get, given the option to listen for free or pay, what would you <laughs> like to pay? <laughs> Let me ask you. <laughs> all right, uh, let's get into the episode, guys. There's no recap because... This, is, this the, is number one. This is the, the number the one. The premiere. And I think the, the right place to start talking about this is with this intro sequence. It's great. And we can we can cover the intro sequences as uh, each season comes up because they are slightly different. Let me see if I'm rewinding this. As uh, you might imagine, the um, the intro sequences are tend to have much better animation than the series proper. Um, Although a lot, a lot of it's taken from the, from it the is, series. yeah, and, and I would say I would say these for, this three parter is pretty good actually overall. Uh, I noted that the second episode we're gonna do is a, the animation's a lot better. Like it's fine yeah. on the first one, but it's way better. Yeah, I wonder why. That, wonder why that is. It looked like almost a different studio. It I might know. be that we can 
figure that out pretty quickly. Toei was the animation studio for number one <laughs> and for number two. So, I don't so know. but we've we've learned from we've learned that Toei was had had animation stables that they would it's outsource true. to mm-hmm. in Korea. That's true. So we don't know who really what third party might have done the work. There's a, the the cheap ones. They probably had a Soviet gulag that they outsourced <laughs> their animation. Political prisoners making Transformers movies. Do you guys remember? Episodes? There was a uh, there was a Simpsons intro that was produced by Banksy. That was a commentary on that. I showed all these all. Korean workers in in like very dire, sad conditions producing animation cells of the Simpsons, and that like that was the intro. That's terrible! Sequence. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> and they played bad. it. They put it on. Wow! Uh, Matt Groening's like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> well, I'm sure that he he would well, like I'm, to do it right. Well, he's lighting a cigar with a hundred dollar <laughs> yeah, bill. Exactly. So intro sequence. We open up with a with a 3D Autobot and Decepticon symbol, uh, just kind of uh, flying at us on screen. And riding on the Autobot symbol are, of course, the heroic Autobots. We focus on the logo, uh, flips, and first it's Autobot, then it's Decepticon, uh, and then we just kind of see, as Ryan was alluding to, a montage of more than meets the eye footage and some custom animation as well. And this part where um, the, the Seekers come down and then Jazz transforms and jumps at... Uh, I always get Thundercracker and Skywarp mixed up. Uh, um, it is Skywarp that he jumps at. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say a few a few notable moments. Okay. The Seekers firing scene, I think, is probably original animation for this. Autobots transforming, Megatron leading a battalion, Ratchet actually moving in to fight Thundercracker, and then the uh, probably one of the most iconic for me and where you're going, Jazz punching Skywarp. And who then throws him, what, 20 yards away. Sure. He transforms in midair in Porsche mode, heads back, transforms back Which into robot and attacks. Which in the Bumblebee movie. Correct. Is that, has it been stated that was a point homage? I think, homage, or I think it so. Just have to it's, be? it's pretty, it was pretty blatant, but I think it has been specifically called out that that is what that is. We see Soundwave ejecting some tapes. Megatron turning into a gun and firing, firing himself. Firing on his own. Which you never see that. No. Really, do okay. And uh, a bit more battling takes place between both factions. They fly around the back of the volcano, and the logo swings back around towards us, and and that's it. Yeah. Any any anything you want to say about that? I really, I've always even I love all the intros. I think season three is probably my favorite, but like this intro is what the one I've seen the most, mm-hmm. obviously. So it's it. I always even as a kid thought the animation was really great. We were saying at the top of this that some of it was probably stock footage from More Than Meets the Eye, but I think that might have all been original. Do yeah, you know? it might be. I, just, I think I'm thinking of the end credits where a lot of it is Maybe. from the episode. I like it when they use uh, ep- uh, footage from the episodes in the credits because there's like, oh yeah, that, and then that's all that. <laughs> that guy did that to him. Yeah, wow, man. <laughs> it's like an afterglow. We open up in space and shit. I do like the parallax scrolling where the the stars are moving at different speeds against each other. That's good stuff. Oh, yeah, that that is very high quality. We have Victor Caroli at this point narrating, (laughs) and he is establishing that millions of years ago, there's this planet called Cybertron. It housed some sentient robots that were definitely not sex robots. And uh, I don't remember that detail. Real quickly, well, he said said, they weren't sex robots. (laughs) Ryan. You must have this. Special edition. <laughs> and Aaron's going to spend the rest of his whole thing just really clarifying the moment. They're, they're not, not for fucking. They're not sex robots. He, he quickly kind of sets the stage. We got Decepticons. They're all about do- domination. Autobots, all about peace. And, and because of that, you know, there's a war going on. I do like how he's like, we'd show you all this awesome shit I'm describing, but it's not in the budget. So I'll just tell you that they're at a war. We're going to show you the post-Armageddon aftermath. There's an explosion. That's about it. I kind of, I kind of always liked that they alluded. They yeah. alluded to it. It, yeah. it. it forces your imagination in that, you know. To, to understanding the history. You can't possibly absorb I all always, the history. I always love it. Yeah. it just like just like coming of mage. Uh, with Michael Andrews, what's the rest of that world like with all that magic? I don't know. Apparently we'll never know. <laughs> we'll definitely never know. Uh, I do also think the background art animation oh, of Cybertron is phenomenal. Cybertron's great. I love it. Every time we're on Cybertron, is I love it. I also like the little diode sounds. of like, Yeah. They do a great job of just setting a nice, sort of eerie tonality to it with the and music def- and the sound effects and the way it looks. It does look <laughs> desolate and burned out. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, great job in establishing <laughs> the visuals to match up with the story. Uh, the narration establishes that the, there, there's not much energy on this planet, and that the Autobots are nearly extinct. And uh, we see some explosions, some more, uh, some more great shots of Cybertron, and then <clears throat> we, we open up on some characters. Those characters are Wheeljack and Bumblebee. Coming up out of a sewer, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why. They've been, they've been, well, they've been sneaking around. I guess some old, sneakity sneak. We got fluorescent light bulbs, y'all. Yeah. I guess is that stuff? Yeah, is that? Are we to think that that is in a stash somewhere? They had to steal it from somewhere else that was used. Like a Jeffrey's tube yeah. in Star Trek. He's got these energy rods. It's not much, but we can't worry about that. We got to get back to Iacon, well, guys. And he, did, he says it won't last, but a, a cortex, cortex, which it's not. He pronounces it weird because in the script it's cortex, but that second R is not in evidence. Um, and I looked it up, and it's about a month. Is that time frame? Oh, is that in? Is that a, a Transformers unit of time? Yes, it's later established in the books how long it is. Okay, all right. And it's also spelled Cortrex later in the books. Okay. I love what he transforms into. The Cybertronian modes are great. I hope that the Siege line does an homage to that mode in the same way that they've got, got a Tetra Jet up here from, it the, is from like, the Siege line. It is funny because you, <laughs> you can tell that they're definitely designed to be obviously for their Earth modes. And so what they oh, transform into the robots are, on yeah, Cybertron, yeah. they have to back engineer those Tetra Jets so hard to force yeah. that robot form to look like anything it does on Cybertron. Yeah. I, mean, no, I think that's a lot of sleight of hand animation just to sort oh, yeah. of be like... Oh yeah, <laughs> it really doesn't make sense. Uh, the uh, so Wheeljack transforms. He heads down the deserted highways of Cybertron, about uh, one mega mile from Iacon. Mm -hmm. a, a gang of seekers not even trying with are waiting, <laughs> and a, a battle ensues at this point. Uh, and it's luckily lucky that Wheeljack had some bulletproof shielding. Which uh, why doesn't he just always have that? There's no reason for him to have glass at all, frankly. But uh, and so uh, at this point, we've established that Iacon is a place. We are introduced to Seekers, the concept of Seekers. Do you have a bit about how Starscream does not use his real voice? I do not. <laughs> oh, that's Chris Lotta does not... Um, it's Starscream is speaking, but it's not Chris Lotta's Starscream voice. It doesn't sound anything like him. And then in the next shot, right here, it's three different Seekers. Right. Yeah, those Seekers all have been given names uh, in the... Aren't they know, the Rainmakers? Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, rain I can't remember all their names, but... There's an episode where they make acid rain on Cybertron. Yeah, that's how they got it. It's a gold one, a navy blue one, and a green one. But the, there's, the gold the, one is different. called Sunstorm, Acid Storm, and I don't remember the other one's name. Uh, have those ever been produced? I think there are some... I've seen some third-party pictures. They repaint them, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, sure. they're repaints. I think some will come out for the Siege line, as a matter of fact. So it's kind of a fan... Thing, like an homage to fans who probably named them, I'm assuming, yes. at some point. Yeah. And it is... <laughs> it's weird when Bumblebee jumps out of Wheeljack. He fires in the completely opposite direction of where the, the enemy is. Well, he's kind of incompetent. Uh, but because we're, we're, we live in a world where these robots, these Seekers, haven't been named, I'm going to call them... Uh, plum flamethrower bot. Oh, I went with not skywarp. Lemon bot, bot, and blue but not thundercracker bot. <laughs> I do like the not. What would you call the purple one? Uh, flamethrower bot. You, you call them plum. Plum plum flamethrower. You put, you put fruit to all of them. Oh, you're That's right. interesting. I didn't put a fruit to the blue guy. What, what blueberry bot? Yeah, I thought you said blueberry. <laughs> I didn't. Right, let's go to the game tape. But yeah, he shoots a flamethrower, and he does it like Johnny Cash style because it's, it's a ring of fire. They oh. really like rings of fire, as we will it's see true. in this show. B hops out the back. The battle rages. He transforms, and the guys just drive through the Decepticons <laughs> at this point. Well, we see Wheeljack pop out some blades, and he says, mind if I... Which, first of all, this is the first of many, 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 many special one-offs we'll see in the yeah. next the following episodes. But he says, mind if I cut in, which doesn't make any sense, because then he just drives through fire. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's using his propellers to cut through the Decepticons. That's not I evidence. He, they're not shown in the scene when he runs into them. Oh, they weren't? No. But well, I think that's well, I was see. I was thinking the fans were supposed to blow a path in the tiny. ring of fire to, so that they can make way. But yeah, they but don't really show that either. No, or the pun doesn't work then. And also, I don't know why 
Bumblebee transformed and is driving it all. He should have just gotten back in the back <coughs> of Wheeljack. As we'll Maybe it makes him later. faster. I See, guess. I think they're probably right. just demonstrating that he transforms into his Cybertronian mode. Like they're just yeah, sure. They're yeah, it is true. There's a lot of show off. There's no story mode. reason for him to do that. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there's a marketing reason. A lot of these and a fun reason. Yes, and a story reason. Not really, I, you, but it's setting that it's just uh, it's just demonstrating. Right. We something. do live in a world where nobody has seen these transforming robots yeah. before. Right. There's now a lot I, of that where people transform for no reason. Now I know what Bumblebee it. looks like in a Cybertron mode. Well, don't get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these one-off powers that we'll see actually get nods in some in the toy releases nowadays. They do. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I didn't realize how many of those nods came from these first three Yes, almost all of them. So uh, the guys drive through the Seekers in a, a classic bowling alley-style maneuver. Uh, the, and the Seekers then turn into giant flying pyramids and make way after them. And a few Star Wars sound effects later, B is singed. He loads back up in Wheeljack's trunk. He goes into overdrive, and they go underground. They'll never catch them now. And they say we're going underground. But they, they don't, don't go underground. <laughs> um, also, a couple of things. Whenever a, one of the Seekers says, after them, it's spoken by Frank Welker, who mm-hmm. does Skywarp, but it sounds just like Megatron. Yeah. And I, then I did have the note of that says they go underground, but their next shot, they're clearly just not underground. I opted to not call out all of the goofball mistakes because I knew you would, and I'm glad I didn't spend time with them. And this is the first cartoon. They're still getting their legs, man. They are getting their legs, but I'm afraid that there'll be lots of goofball mistakes. Well, also, when B gets hit, he a wheel pops off, and he's yeah, clearly a hoverboard. <laughs> wow. Well, he does still have that spare tire on the back of him. He also says somewhere. an axle gets bent, which you don't have an axle if you're floating. Gosh, Wow. Man, these guys are fucking. It's no big deal. It's just weird. the The cartoon is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we doing this, guys? Mm -hmm. Wheeljack and B enter Iacon. The bridge contracts. We see a a curious uh, (laughs) lamp post lamp post station right outside the main building. And holy shit, it turns into a robot. Soundwave. He releases some something out of his chest called a lasered beak, I believe. Oh, oh boy. And. And commands them to do some spy work. And so, <laughs> this is a very common theme of Laserbeak just watching Autobots. I had, I had this in my notes, and I'm like, wow, we're starting off again exactly the same way we did in the movie with Laserbeak listening to Prime talk about a shuttle launch. Yeah. And then I right here where you paused it at 4.08, I didn't realize that across from him is... The a, real lamppost. Yeah, or I, presumably some kind of communication device, but he's aping. Right, yeah, what a boring alt mode. It's a terrible <laughs> alt mode, yeah. it's He must have been so... Although his one on Earth is not great. I was thinking of this. Most robots have uh, unique alternate modes that change whenever they come to Earth to fit the Earth environment. But Laserbeak has a unique robot mode that changes when he comes to Earth. That's true. That's right. Kind of weird. Right. Never oh. thought about that. Just more, neither did they. <laughs> <laughs> Because because just magnetic tapes are a Cybertronian technology as well. This is with Laserbeak. We have the second special power sighting where a different thing pops out of his head. Two little like outboard motors that they're recording the yeah, instead of the massive camera that yes. comes out the top of his head in the movie. <laughs> they also reminded me of nacelles from uh, Star Trek. Another Autobot enters Iacon. We see that it is Jazz reporting to uh, Prowl, Trailbreaker, and Optimus Prime, and he's got some bad news. There's no energy. And Prime says that unless a new supply of energy is found, no one can win this war. Uh, there's going to be a search mission as soon as Prowl can launch can it. get that ship up and running. That's right. Uh, I, well, maybe it'd be good if nobody could win the war. Yeah. Run out of energy. They all die. Species goes extinct. Stasis. Um, better for Earth. Yeah. It's true. I do also, I did think in this that there were several OSHA violations of all these dangerous platforms with no handrails. Which shouldn't matter to them anyway because they can fly. Yeah, that goes away later. But yeah, that it was, I forgot. They fly. The Autobots a fly lot. a lot. Yes. Yeah. Sw- and, and don't fly a lot when they should. Yeah. Like they swim. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to they it. They run. <laughs> then they fly. So they should. the OSHA stuff shouldn't be as a big a deal because these things in theory would be like more like a Tesla automobile. Like it could self-drive, you know. It's got all the sensors and everything. It knows where danger is and... 
So are they you sure at this point in the war, the whole OSHA organization that represents Cybertronian safety is gone? Yeah, There's no right. budget left for it. Mm-hmm. They're just having to deal it with is, it. It is interesting, and this is four million years before that, but in the books, especially the ones with Blaster... Um, back on Cybertron, they there's a third faction of uh, non-affiliated Transformers that are not like just trying to live their lives. I would be part of that. <laughs> <laughs> would you be a conscientious? They're objector? called they're called something pejorative, which I can't, later. Well, in the IDW universe, they're called Nails, which is non-affiliated, uh, non-aligned in life form. I can't remember something like that. Nails is what they're called. It is a pejorative uh, in the IDW universe. So interesting. Uh, Laserbeak records all this shit. Yep. And returns to Soundwave's chest, and Soundwave then flies off. Got anything to say about that? Nope. Okay. We find ourselves at the bad guy's headquarters. The Autobots' launch plans are reported, and we learn that the Decepticons are going to do some launching as well. And mm-hmm. this is where our, our old friend Lonely Shockwave... Yeah, here's, here's where it starts, Caleb. I love it. <laughs> this get... is my favorite part of the whole... whole <laughs> he also has two hands. He does have two hands. Uh, interesting. And uh, he's given the old guard the base treatment. And, and you know, he's yeah, willing he's to take that on. What's, what's fascinating is he was just standing up on this pedestal... In gun mode. In yeah, gun that mode. was the one I think I had. Is, why out. is he just chilling in gun mode? Because he doesn't do anything unless he's told. <laughs> He literally will just stand there. In the corner. In the corner and wait until he's told what to do. And then you know what? He does it. <laughs> he does that thing, which is watch a monitor for four million years. Yep. Yeah. Very reliable. We, he also him. worked on a space bridge in the meantime. That's true. That's, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves he's here. He's great. Female Transformers! He's the best. <laughs> So we hear Starscream's first bit of shit talk at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Autobots would have lost eons ago if I'd been calling the shots. And uh, Megatron claims that, that, you know what, that's never going to happen, Starscream. You can lead, Starscream. So... Time to get our... <laughs> that was good, actually. You've like been how, working on it? No. I like that a lot. I do like how... I, and maybe it's because I know these characters so well, but I thought it was a really good job of quickly introducing their characteristics. Yeah. Like, Starscream's immediately hungry for power, and Megatron's like, you're not shit. Don't you know that hanging out with those two gets just so... You're angry. like, fuck already. I, yeah. <laughs> I like so how, aggravating. I, I, I like how Starscream's like eons ago and in Transformers timelines that's like nothing so it's like like 10 years ago I had a really good plot and you told me to fuck off and things would have been different I think at this if point, just ten years ago, maybe twelve, you would have listened to me. Have you been working on your Starscream? No, I haven't. This I, is the shows. same Starscream I've always had, and that doesn't sound anything like him. <laughs> Sounds like my mom, <laughs> who taking a hit of helium. She's or also the crypt keeper. Kind of the crypt keeper. <laughs> Hello, kitties. <laughs> We've got some ghoulish delights for you. Did Chris Lotta do the crypt keeper? I don't think so. Hang on. That oh, was Caleb's in the nineties, wasn't he? Dead. No, I don't know. Well, maybe. I don't remember when he died. But Let's I, find out. I think at this point the war has been going on for about six, five or six million years. Right. Such a long war. Back it's still going on. It goes on for nine million years, all told. Back to Iacon. The Autobot shuttle emerges from the top of the Iacon dome, and loads of Autobots are strapped in, except not really. <laughs> I like, it just, it, I They're not, They should be strapped in. There are no seatbelts on any, in any and, and shuttle are, ever. And the camera is oriented, so we see them as it's weird. horizontally, but we know they're actual vertically. vertically. But the the animation sequence of the engines, uh, the, the rockets, not as good as the movie, but still pretty, pretty, pretty good, okay. admirable, I believe. And uh, they they take off. All systems are go. And close behind it, we see the Decepticon ship, and they are similarly... A couple thousand yards away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything is very close in <laughs> yes, this movie, including be- Earth, before it's detectable. Why is it that bad guys' stuff always looks so much cooler than good guys' stuff? Because it's, it's uh, you know, like, it's cool to be bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's Star Wars, G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. Transformers. Star Trek. He-Man, Star Trek. The bad guy stuff looks like... I think, badass. honestly... I would, choose, I would choose their stuff over the good guy stuff. Mm-hmm. Any heart. day of the why, week. Why is that? I think, honestly, it comes down to, for both um, people making special effects and, and technology and... Uh, like props and people writing, it's more fun to write the bad guys. Yeah, because you can do whatever you want. Like but, you don't have to. But be it extreme. always, yeah, 
You're I think right. from a design aesthetic, though, there's probably yeah. something psychological yeah. to smooth lines being associated with maybe comfort yeah. and goodness, sure. and jagged lines and things like the right. pointiness being associated with You're right. there's evil a war- and darkness. There's a to warmness a to it. Right. I, it, and that probably dates back to, like, I think of gothic structures. They seem evil to me, you well, know? The, mm. the white hat, black hat. Oh, the, like sure. the westerns, yeah. yeah right. um, and I think, you know, it's sort of like whenever... You know, like, the, the good guys are safe and comforting but boring. It's like you date the bad guys when you're young, and then you come to realize, oh, I need the security of the of the round ships. You know, all those, the bad, round, the all round, those bad girls I dated. The round, the round yeah. soft ships. That's right, like a breast. <laughs> no, I was thinking like a tummy. Oh, dad Not dog. rock-hard abs and tattoos. I did read a, th- a study that, uh, like, the majority of both men and women find dad bods appealing. I've read that those studies are bullshit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were written by guys with dad bods. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess by definition, most men are doughy. <laughs> I, I uh, was seeing that they made a big deal out of uh, Jason Momoa's. That was so weird. I, dad I feel bod. like no, I feel so, like that, that was, was not a, that was not a dad bod. I feel like no, was, it was not. It was at all. I feel like it was a manufactured backlash that nobody really was calling him out and people were just like people are calling him out well i think yes. no i don't think anybody was calling him out i think they were being like look at his sexy dad bod even though his dad bod is still seven and a half percent body fat yeah. dad bod jason momoa i mean that's about what i look like <laughs> yeah i'm looking at your body right now and it's i'm like it's like jason are you in here in the room uh, he is such a cool guy, though. He's like, I do have a man crush on him. No I don't doubt. know anything about yeah. him. I mean, he's just, he's just like, cool. I, like, watch him on Saturday Night Live. The Autobots run into an asteroid field. The The impact of two of those asteroids creates a blast wave that knocks many of the Autobots they, out of their seats. Bonk. <laughs> they just, like, bonk into each other. It's, they, it's see, because like, no seatbelts, right as we established. Right in front of them. Like... <laughs> Jazz is quote-unquote knocked out of his seat because listen, he appears to jump. When I first saw this, I was watching it at work, and I saw it out of the corner of my eye, and I had to go back because I thought Optimus Prime knocked him out of the chair to take over driving. It was really funny. I like how um, Ironhide says, leak and lubricant, yeah, and he's literally <laughs> leaking. Yeah. Normally that would just be like a goofball thing. Yeah. That the trans- But he's giving you a medical condition. He's actually doing it. And Yeah, here it was. <laughs> Chez, let's go control right for 650. half a second and just flies out. But yet, Optimus, who was yeah. not holding on to no, anything, he just well, he's Optimus. There. But I thought I thought Prime knocked him out of his chair. Like, Give me that. <laughs> Damn it, Jazz. Yeah. Uh, then Ironhide mans the best laser gun I've ever seen. That thing looks like a super soaker. Oh wow, that thing just it just plows the road. Yeah. Why don't they just turn that on right away? Why don't they just turn that on all the time? Or shoot the Decepticons? Yeah. Well, they, oh, they, don't oh, they know, try, but they're out of power. They don't even know the Decepticons are there yet. Oh, that's right. So they're blazing a trail. The Decepticons kind of get behind them and ride the wake of that of that trail. And uh, the the nemesis at this point, they, now they finally they're like, oh shit, we're being we're being followed. And um, the parallel the nemesis pulls up, <laughs> kind of parallel to the arc. They they set out some tractor beams here. <laughs> They yeah the tractor beams and then they are he's like what does he say I wrote it down here release the boarding chute and then <laughs> it's just a tube it's like oh so shoot out the tube okay got it got it got it cool 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 <laughs> this is weird where they repeat the same scene and set oh yeah with Megatron's voice yeah they fixed yeah. that in later releases but I think it's just an animation error yeah. not in this one yeah and they like, don't fu- they don't start shooting they just start a melee fight yeah they start rumbling I love it. It's a yeah, It's like it's like what gang fights were like in the '60s, you know, or always. No, I mean today there's just shootouts. I know, but I mean well, going I back prior like, to guns. Oh, I all see. gang fights. Well, even were, even like in you know gangs of New York. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is a historical documentary that uh, I just yeah, referenced. Yeah. 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 As 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 alluded to, there is a an awesome battle going on here. Soundwave's fucking up everybody. He kicks yeah. ass actually <laughs> in in this sequence here. And in the course of the battle, the ships veer close to a familiar blue green planet to and, us, and they get uh, caught up in its uh, gravity. What happened to the Decepticon ship? More well, on that's that later in the no, future episode. Guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. The ships become untethered. The Autobot arc enters Earth's gravity, falling towards a choppy volcanic 
landscape and ultimately into the side of a mountain. Um, we have our first commercial break. We go to commercial. Yeah, it goes off with jazz, which is a really cool sequence. Yeah. All of those sequences are cool. Absolutely. Let's just say it. This was, the, when we come Controversial back, statement, I know. Yeah, it's a tough stand. We come back to Starscream, and he does a little weird, quick Heil Hitler. Mm-hmm. I always, Even as a kid, I thought that was bizarre. I don't support it. I don't support I can't get on. I can't co-sign it. He, he just had... He, he shouldn't have done what he did, but you have to agree he was an operational genius. He's one of those dill holes who's like, if you read Mein Kampf, he had some interesting <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Okay, time passes. Four million years, in fact. Which has got to be the biggest jump in TV history. (laughs) The landscape grows greener. A volcano erupts, and this eruption sparks life into a computer on board the Ark. I have quite a bit about this volcano. I mean, they don't call... I don't think they name it in the show, but it is Mount in St. Hillary in the books. Mm -hmm. Um, In the Marvel books, it's uh, set in, in... Oregon near Portland, mm-hmm. although it more closely resembles Mount Hood, which is dormant. Uh, Mount Hood is in Oregon, 50 miles from Portland, and the area even looks like Mount Hood. Um, Did the eruption of the volcano quickly and suddenly expose the rear end of the that's ship? That's the implication, but it's not shown. Because somebody surely would have stumbled across that. Yes. I don't know if that is the implication. I think it must be, otherwise it doesn't make any sense that nobody's discovered it. It is a glaring hole that yeah. like and a also, geologist wasn't just like, oh, this isn't part of the natural structure. And also, the the eruption also triggered to life this little Computer. drone. Yeah. Well, it, Teletran 1 is the one who launched the drone. But just to finish up on the, the mountain, yeah. um, it is clearly Mount St. Helens inspired, which Mount St. Helens erupted off oh. and on from 1980 to 85, and it's in Washington. It's referred to as, Mount, as Helens in the G1 Supersize Coloring Activity book. Interesting. Uh, Black Arachnia mentions Mount St. Hillary by name in Beast Wars in the Agenda Part 3 where they're, they find the they find the Ark. I guess that makes it canon. Mm-hmm. Shit. That's it. I, I fell down a Helen hole. That's fine. Appreciate your um, history and yeah, I never, uh, I geological thought about that. study. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because Mount St. Helens... I don't know why they just didn't make it Mount St. Helens, but... Mm. They probably didn't have the rights. <laughs> the rights to the mountain. <laughs> Hasbro couldn't get the rights to the the physical structure. They they spend all their money just getting the rights to Earth. Yeah, right. Welcome okay. to Earth. So okay, the Ark is now awake. Yep. Somehow, I guess it, I, to me, I guess I take that as like in the olden days when you had you have to smack yeah, TV to it make just it kinda work. Got, it just kind of got hit. Boom. Uh, olden days. <laughs> so we, well, we're old. I still do it, but <clears throat> it doesn't do anything. <laughs> So the Ark sends out a scanner, and it scans these mechanical forms, and then goes back to the Ark and... Repair! Re- repair! And repairs all the bad Releases guys. this beam of well, healing. Yeah, it just, I guess, by chance. And also, these bodies are gross. Like, they're all in pieces and bu- fucked up. Uh, but I like how there's just repair arms and stuff just everywhere mm-hmm. and every random nook and cranny. So are they dead? They're, in, they're just, like, in a coma, basically. Yeah. Although Skywarp, whenever he pull, he Skywarp is the first one to wake up, and then he pulls Megatron in to be repaired, and, and he does say, "We live again." Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't take that to mean as they were dead. No, I, I don't think, think they were dead. This like, is a stasis lock. I like how Megatron. They are living. Let's let's get out of here. They should have like destroyed all it is the weird. Autobots. Yeah, they should like leave them. destroyed all the Autobots. I think it's just weird that the machine recognize what the machine is neutral when it comes to. It's like the Red Cross. It's going to give aid to anything that it's, that's around. I mean, I, Maybe I Teletron 1 is not operating at 100% capacity. It's just repairing it, but it happens to repair... Oh, that's right, because the, the Decepticons all get healed because the first one happens to be a Decepticon yeah, right. that drags the and other Autobots right. and uh, other Decepticons into its beam right. path. Mm-hmm. But apparently, you'd think that they'd be able to like scan the logo and or signal. something. Hmm. Have some kind of recognition... But it doesn't. And nope. that's where we are right now. Uh, Megatron, uh, he, he just, as you alluded to, he just expects that the Autobots are it's finished. It's a strange, <laughs> like, ignoring, just like, just, oh, I'm sure they'll never wake up. <laughs> Starscream fires his beams at some rocks, which trigger a small earthquake, which just happens to coincidentally uh, <laughs> toss Prime's yes. body into the healing beam. And yeah, they're... They, and it, so they they, they, they fuck themselves over twice, right? But the things that Starscream does that end up following in the Autobots' favor are really like they're not unreasonable. They're not. Yeah, it's like 
Yeah, I don't blame him for shooting there. How would he know that it would, you know what it I mean? It was a better plan than not killing them before you left the I, area. I guess what they're trying to do is say you should follow, he should have followed Megastron's instructions. But instead, the, the dumb little things he do, he do. <laughs> the dumb little things he does, you know, normally wouldn't have this huge impact on things going on that, that, ha- that happened to him. Right. For example... <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, there's no reason that they should not have just incinerated all those bodies. Yeah, absolutely. They have plenty of time. Or just set a bomb. They'd have even more time if they would have incinerated those bodies. Megatron's not as strategic as we were giving him credit for Or they could have, like, the all put him in, like, like uh, a sexual position, like running a train. <laughs> on just took pictures of it yeah. so they could blackmail them yeah. later. Or, yeah, or then blow the ship up, you know. <laughs> create a, they could have created the, whatever the Transformers version of a human centipede is. <laughs> I hate that movie. I've never seen it. Oh, that. God. It's uh, just as upsetting as you'd imagine. Yeah, I don't know. So, Scanner goes out. Prime gets uh, morphed into a uh, Freightliner cab over yep. semi. Mm-hmm. Thanks. That was weird where he gives the thumbs up. <laughs> he's so chipper. Like, he's very clearly yeah. a morning person. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, like, okay. The uh, Decepticons find a, 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 like a, an open rock formation and just decide I, that's where we're, our base is going to be. Here. They must be in Arizona. It's it's obvious. It's supposed to be even in the show maybe the Nevada. Pacific Northwest, but there is a lot of desert around maybe, it. Maybe Nevada. I don't know. Anywho, maybe they're not on Earth. Maybe it's an alternate universe Earth. I mean. Well, that'd still be Earth. Maybe it evolved differently. Maybe Pangea split up in a different way due to forces that are different from what created oh, ours. Oh, shit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, so the cons are this open rock formation. That's their base. Soundwave launches Rumble to help Starscream go steal materials from, I guess, like an Earth power station. Just unmanned. And then we go back to the Autobots. Mm-hmm. And they're all awake. Prime sends Hound and Cliffjumper out to go see what the Decepticons are up to, and Cliffjumper seems a bit antsy well, to start a fight. It's funny because hey, he goes, Hound, right here, Prime, right fucking next to you. Where are you? <laughs> it's just, I thought it was funny. It's too bad, like, Optimus Prime didn't, like, jump, like, like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the foreshadowing that Cliffjumper might start some trouble here is... is Cliffjumper's the star bit. scream of the Autobots. <laughs> He, he kind of is. He does whatever the fuck he wants to do. He has impulse do. control problems. He's kind of an asshole about it. He really we, is. I think we see that in multiple episodes. So they find the Decepticons, which is very easy because it seems to not be more than How a, do they find a half mile away. Uh, and a base is being built. They've made some pretty good progress already. I mean, before even that, we have Rumble here who uses his pile drivers, which is another special power, but one that actually comes back over and over. And was so interesting that they eventually put him in the comic books. Like, the, the show was the first one to do that. Oh, thanks for that trivia. Yep, unless I'm wrong. <laughs> but I think I'm right. They spy some more. They, they learn about, of, the, of the Decepticons' plan to steal Energon, build a space cruiser, mm-hmm. and hightail it back to Cybertron. And they learned it through another special power, which is a wrist ear. They, thing it's just whatever you, has. whatever you need at the moment, you probably have the means to make it happen. And Soundwave can project images on his chest plate. Does that happen in more than one episode? I don't remember. I don't remember it ever happened. It struck me as I don't remember seeing that. Um, but then we have Cliff Jumper pull a huge cannon out of Hammer Space. Yeah, out of out of nowhere, uh, Cliff Jumper pulls out this giant bazooka, and he is coming in extremely hot. Yes. Despite the fact that both Prime and Hound tell him not to do it. And it, it does kind of look like it might be collapsible, but, I mean, it's like Prime's trailer. Where does that come from? Out of it. What's all out of pockets? Pocket Universe? Uh, Hammer Space or Pocket Universe, Bag of Holding. These are all different names. Um, There's a, a big gun. Where did yeah. that come from? Whoa. I thought maybe it's collapsible like Doc Holliday's shot glass. Yeah. He also says, I've got Megatron right in my sights, which I think we need to really re-examine about what dead center means because he misses pretty yeah. badly. Did they show... They, they didn't show a view from inside a viewfinder, did they? No, but he <laughs> says, I've got it, Megatron dead center. Well, it could be oh. that maybe just his sight is off. He didn't take the wind enough into... A- <laughs> the, for the energy beam, yeah. Hound should have been a better spotter. And he should have probably fired again. Yeah. <laughs> These honestly, are all great points. Honestly, yes. 
Uh, Maybe it's a one shot and done like a bazooka. <clears throat> the Decepticons are, are startled. Soundwave sends Laserbeak to figure out who fired that shit. It obviously had to be Autobots. And Laserbeak then... Who else knows we're here? <laughs> easily catches okay. up to the, uh, to the Autobots. They and don't they, seem to know who he is. Who Laserbeak is? Yeah, they say, what is that thing? Well, he looks a little... Maybe they never knew who he was. Maybe. And he just demonstrates right here another special power... So these guys split up because they think they're clever, but uh, Laserbeak is ready, and he, I've <laughs> never seen this before, fires one of his rockets to kind of trace uh, Cliff Jumper while Laserbeak proper continues to follow so, Hound. So Soundwave has a thing that he can eject from himself to follow things, and Laserbeak can eject <laughs> its things. It's It'd awful. be funny if, like, that It's just a Russian thing, doll of things that, little, that come yeah. off. Well, Which, and technically, that thing does have things that eject from it in the form of lasers. So um, he, d- I think that in the description of Laserbeak in one of the like either his technical specs or whatever, it says he can do that. But this is the only time we see it in the show. So Cliffjumper destroys that flying laser cannon with some kind of Tiny he calls it a gas it. weapon. And, I have notes on that in our script deviations. Oh, excellent! And uh, Laserbeak proper fires on Hound, which causes him to fall off a cliff, and we go to commercial. Yep, our second commercial which, break. It's too bad that Cliff Jumper didn't fall off the cliff because he was. <laughs> He's not Cliff Faller, <laughs> but he could probably handle going oh, I see. off the cliff. It makes it makes more sense than Hound. Yeah, Ryan, I'm just a doll. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we yeah we leave to commercial second commercial break with Prime and then come back with Laserbeak, you know which that? is in bo- in these episodes I noticed the bumpers are the same. They leave with the same guy and come back with the same guy. Like if it's if Prime is the one we go to commercial with, we come back with Laserbeak. If Jazz is the one oh. we go to commercial with, we come I back see. with uh, uh, Starscream. Interesting. Grapple and Ratchet show up to rescue Hound, but although it's not Grapple, it's a character called Hauler, Hauler. who we never hear from again. Nope. And we do see Ratchet's medical bay for like a second. That's right, yeah. So they rescue Hound through a uh, very... Uh, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say real quick, it's obvious when they're standing on top of the cliff, um, uh, both uh, Cliff Jumper and Ratchet, but in, throughout this and the next episode, I really like the way they have the Transformers stand. Like, it's a very um, dramatic pose. For lack of a better description, it's like chest back, crotch forward, knees locked, kind of the superhero pose. A lot of superheroes are drawn that way. It's a right. fun way to draw things. It's an easy way to pass out, too, if you stand like that for real. They say that, but I don't know if that's true. Well, you're not used to standing up for long periods of time. Though. You don't know what I do. <laughs> You don't know what I do at all. Whew, I felt the heat from that shot. <laughs> Who fired that shot? You know what my dad has, has, has taught my sons to do? Like, oh, no. My dad, will, my dad will fart and go, Who fired that shot? So now my boys will fart and say, Who fired that shot? <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad I don't have boys. <laughs> the influence of the milkman. I'm glad you don't have anything. That's rude. My, my, another, want to hear another colonism real quick? Sure. sure. Uh, so the other day I was talking about, I was complaining about something and my dad goes... Your wife? <laughs> no, I would not complain about my wife to my dad. He's already defended her to us yeah, once today. Yeah. Don't make him do so, it again. All right. Uh, but I was complaining about something and he goes, well, you know, um, life is like a penis. Sometimes it gets hard for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard him say that before. And then we, and then he took me to watch a stag film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Colin! Is great. that the story you said in, our, in the group text that, that you wanted? That was the story you wanted. To I don't know what okay. the other one is. Okay. I don't remember. There was another one I wanted to talk about, but I don't remember. It'll come to you. This so, whole reflector so. thundercracker this is very convoluted. Is ridiculous. Of spy work. Um, the exposition, the communication. Uh, so, reflector and thundercracker, they spy a truck. They're unsure if it's a threat. So, Ravage is released to investigate. Wait, 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 wait. Before that, what? Explain what happens, how they see the truck. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, yes, uh, it's convoluted because, uh, first of all, you can see it with your eyes, but but what they have to do is transform into a camera to see it better and then eject a Polaroid film. Yeah, (laughs) I had these questions. Why does Reflector have to be in camera mode to zoom his vision? Why does Thundercracker have to hold him to do it? Why does Thundercracker take a picture? Why does the picture print out like it's a Polaroid? Well, because... Here's the thing. If you didn't have it as a Polaroid, he'd take the picture, 
Then they'd have to run it to one-hour photo, <laughs> and that's going to take a while. It's just a it's ludicrous expensive. series of sets, and I know the reason is to show the reflector turns into a camera. Well, and more. 80s. Digital cameras didn't exist. The very concept of digital imagery didn't really exist. It yeah. Only like with maybe NASA or something uh, I get like it, that. but the way they get there they take is the so picture, strange. They take it back to their dark room. It's red. <laughs> Starscream bursts in, runs the exposure. They call him an idiot. Starscream! Yeah. What? You know. So, and, and, the, and then, uh, or even if Starscream doesn't uh, ruin it, they get it exposed. They take it all the way back to Thundercracker. He's he like, looks at it. it. He it's, says, it's a, "It's a truck." <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it was a dick like, picture. Right, I like, I like, it's a truck. But also, like right here, we see he can clearly see with it. it just wait like a second, and you'll find out what it or is. Go, or go look at it. Also, when they come back and, and Thundercracker's reporting to Soundwave, and he pushes his head, it makes a ridiculous sound. Also pushing your forehead to answer a call is so stupid. I like it. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Where are we here? Uh, Ravage Yes, is, the uh, first appearance of one of my favorites. Ravage is released to go, to go and investigate uh, that truck. The truck uh, arrives at the, the facility where the Decepticons have stolen all the, the <laughs> hardware, and they're freaking out, the, the two gentlemen who emerge from the truck, uh, one of them who has a very frumpy body, mm. and Ravage. Yeah, yeah. And, and when he gets, and that frumpy guy, when he gets surprised, his helmet flies off his head. <laughs> I, lo- I, I will say I love Ravage. He's definitely one of my favorite Decepticons, but this sequence doesn't make any sense because he doesn't stop them. Yeah, they, they get back in the truck, they drive away, and Ravage is like, my job here is done. I, it just intensifies the suspicion. I want to know more about those two guys. I want to follow their story. Along. I would love to see a buddy comedy with yeah. those two. They, yeah. Let's write the spinoff. It's on us. Yeah. Okay. I think Dan Gilzan did the voice of the uh, the black guy. I, I don't think the other guy speaks, so I'm not sure. The frumpy guy? Because I, <laughs> I thought from behind it sounded like Spike. It just, he gets surprised and his Gilzan. helmet flies um, off his head. Uh, Corey Burton. Corey Burton, yeah, thank I you. I think you're right. I think you're right. Back to the Ark. Yep. Hound. He's in better shape. And he's relaying all the info that he's derived from the spy work that he and Cliffjumper were doing. It's weird, though, because he says they're going to put the energy in some kind of cube and haul it back to Cybertron, implying he doesn't know what an energon cube is. He doesn't. It's an energon cube, as it's I a whole new thing. look at this, as a Decepticon innovation. Hmm. I got that. Okay. All right. I'll buy it. And these are all, now we got this huge robot scene. roll call. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good sequence of. It's great. great. Their transformations here are awesome. So Prime is like, look, look, we got to go fuck these fucks up. Uh, and Jazz is doing the roll call of all the bots. He skips Cliff Jumper, but yes. we, get, we do Prowl, Trailbreaker, <laughs> Wheeljack. Uh, There's Hyde. some beef between Jazz and Cliff Jumper. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, some secret beef. Uh, who else? Mirage, Sunstreaker, and Sideswipe. Sideswipe. Time to roll out. I guess I never realized that is Jazz kind of his second. I command? think Jazz is. Yes, he's, I he's think he is. I always assumed Prowl was the second. No, I mean, you, you, uh, you're gonna I just forgot. You're gonna pick Jazz because he's got a cool voice. He would certainly be more fun to hang out with. He seems more very fun competent. To, more fun just to hear him do stuff. Well, I think also Prowl, names, Prowl is in the command structure. I always thought Ironhide was too, but that's not obvious in any of these episodes. Jazz to Moonbase too. Jazz to Moonbase too. And to your point right there, Caleb, he uh, this is the first instance of Prime just tell who is standing right next to Jazz, telling Jazz to do something that he yeah. could have that's easily not, just told everybody he's de- to he's do. De- he's delegating. It's like uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a military structure, that's pretty common. You'd have your sergeant do it. I, I get it. It just seems weird. It seems inefficient. <laughs> Although I will, I will say that this when Jazz transforms, it's my favorite Jazz transformation of all time because he like jumps in the mm-hmm. air and his fists go down yeah, and lands on his hands. It's awesome. Great. Yeah. They, they, they're, 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 a lot of the budget. Trying to hook you. A lot of the budget went into that scene. <laughs> the, Go buy the toys. So now we have got the Decepticons. They're, the base is looking good. Laserbeak has delivered some info on an energy source, mm-hmm. and it's an oil rig. An oil rig housing some familiar roughnecks. Also, this painting of the oil rig is really awesome. Yeah, I love it. The background good. painting on that is great. So we meet a handful of workers here. None of them resemble Bruce Willis or Ben Affleck, but we do see oh Spike and Sparkplug, and you know they're they're just working. Now remember, uh, Spike is fourteen years Absolutely. old. Absolutely, I had that note as well. And also, get used to those outfits. <laughs> they, yeah, they just you know it's kind of like uh, a lot of people wear Carhartt. Like Caleb here, maybe they're like maybe these are lifestyle outfits. Like yeah. a, you always wear a helmet. 
wherever you go. Like, you know, these guys don't have to dress like this on the oil rig. Maybe these guys just continue to wear helmets because it's all they had, and they knew they were going to be hanging out with Transformers a lot more, and they needed some kind of protection. They 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 like to dress this way. It's too. also easier on the animators. If they see it at a... I love... I love oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I just love this part where Megatron lands and they go, What is it? Let's throw wrenches at it. Yeah, the whole sequence of them fighting the Decepticons. It's hilarious. The Decepticons, like smacking them around. It's, it's Rocks, tools, just humorous. whatever is on hand. Uh, after a scuffle with Rumble, Spike oh. is thrown into the ocean. I loved the backhand. Rumble backhands him in the next episode, too. He pauses before he does <laughs> it. Yeah, he does it in such a disdainful ah, oh manner. God, that guy died right there. Oh, yeah. Everybody <laughs> on the, lots of people on this rig died. That was a very Donkey Kong style. Megatron uh, threw a big right pipe there. and four guys go off the side. Yeah. So. Uh, and, I don't like how humans can be hit by these strong robots and not just be dead. Sparkplug in particular, especially in the next episode. <laughs> Spike just comes up behind Rumble, punches him in the back. He should broke his hand. He just got smacked in the face. Should have <laughs> broken half of his skull well, open. Obviously, they're not going to be able to show that shit on television. Yeah, and there's some tongue-in-cheek stuff on the on the uh, the TF wiki that the, maybe the Wit wikis are particularly resistant to physical damage. Perhaps. Uh, whatever the wiki says, I abide by. It's a joke, but... The... Oh, yeah, this part. Uh, we break out, uh, the, the first mention of the Null Ray, which... It's really weird. <laughs> they, uh, they they treat it as though it's a thing separate from something that's connected to Starscream. Yeah, well. and they do it twice in the next... They'll do it again, yeah, in the next uh, episode. But, like, so, I think it's maybe some confusion... I think I might have a note about that, but it seems like maybe it's a confusion between script and screen... Uh, but yeah, that's what, and also it seems to freeze the thing, uh, Mm -hmm. the turbine on this, whenever normally it just stops the flow of energy. That's what the null ray is meant to do. But But what I don't understand is he, they use it to stop turbines, Mm -hmm. but you need those turbines to actually process the energy. It's confusing. But they think that by stopping the turbine and then just jamming a cube into a random part of the turbine, that then that just means the energy goes in there instead of running through the turbine, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's confusing. Clearly, clearly the riders do not understand how an oil rig works. <laughs> oh, and we'll see. They don't understand how a dam works either. But, uh, yeah, so this is also like where the cubes come out of Soundwave's chest. Mm-hmm. Is he the only one that can make them? Because that's really them. inconvenient. I don't, I don't remember seeing any other Decepticon that can make that yeah, happen. I don't either. And, uh, and uh, Which makes, I guess, Soundwave one of the best... Like he is the personal innovator of the Energon cube. He He's has like, he has a big value add to his group. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they pump oil into the cube. They squish the cube, and you have Energon pillows. And I guess like that. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's what it is. Okay, so it wasn't energy coming; it was actual oil coming out into the cubes, and the compression is what maybe convert. Maybe it's hyper compressed. That's whenever that it energy. starts glowing, that is, and that's better than a turbine. Uh, maybe it's just I, concentrated well, at the <laughs> higher yield. Maybe oh, all right, well. at the twenty minute mark where it start where Megatron calls Starscream a fool. Starscream really looks hurt and shook by that. Like his the expression on his face is funny. That happens a lot. They did that in Transformers yeah, the movie. They did do that in the movie where well. he looks hurt, like, but like he seems like he has a really thin skin. <laughs> I don't know. The Autobots show up, mm-hmm. flying. They're flying. They're flying in because I mean, how else would they get there, guys? Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead. The battle uh, fucks the rig up. Something good. Well, we get to see Starscream shoot Megatron for the first time. We do. That's a, a nice trope we see for the first time. And and uh, the the cons grab the Energon, whatever they can, well, and then they get out of there. Well, right here where we get the wide shot of everybody fighting on the deck, Ratchet is just straight up laying on face down on the deck, and then Prime and Megatron are fighting like they look like they're playing pat a cake. <laughs> I like how, I like they how, are, they do, you're right. <laughs> because it's a little animation loop. Mm-hmm. I like how was it Ironhide and Starscream were just battling with metal rocks. Yeah, just like <laughs> like fencing. Uh, so, okay, so the Decepticons depart. Go ahead. Uh, just this part where Laserbeak attacks Prime. Also another funny little animation loop. But this is one of the many, many times we'll see that Laserbeak seems to be the only one capable of dealing with Optimus. There's many times where Laserbeak gets the better of Prime. Is he always just serving as a distraction? No. Okay. All right. He fucks him up later. Can't wait to see more of that. Megatron sinks the rig, sets fire to the oil that's that's leaking into the ocean, mm-hmm. and we hear shouts of help from under some mangled uh, framework here, <clears throat> and Spike 
spark plug, they're in trouble. What's going to happen? A we couple, don't know. A couple of things here. The Autobots can fly. Yeah. Uh, one minute ago, they could fly. Also, are we to believe they're swimming? Because that seems either they're one treading seems, water. They're just like kicking really quickly. <laughs> well, are they are they swimming or are they like uh, hitting or are they walking on the bottom? Either way, it doesn't make any sense. No, they're swimming. They're I know they're swimming because when we come back, it's obvious they're swimming. I would think they have to be swimming, but I would also think they have to have just like the, any tool can come out of them at any time. They'd probably have and we'll things see that, that opened at the very bottom, top of the next episode at the bottom of their feet that just generated like propulsion to keep them floating. No, they have a little little. Floating <laughs> that could that, that could be it too. An emergency inner tube. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, that's the end of this episode. Well, we, yeah, we get the third commercial break again with Jazz and fucking Starscream, um, and then we come back and it's just a, a like a, a preview uh, of what our next episode will be. I'm not covering that shit. No, we will cover it next two, two weeks. That's right. High five. We're in alignment. Energon axe. Energon axe. So Which we've all just decided that's what it's called. A lot of tropes unveiled mm-hmm. here. We had uh, each robot having a random gadgety gimmick. Uh, Energon cubes, null rays, Starscream firing, Megatron, anything else? Uh, gas, well? gas gun. Um, I, yeah, I mean, the gadgets are the main thing. There's a lot of that. There's way more in the next episode. My note here, I forgot that Energon cubes were actually a Decepticon innovation, which I guess makes sense because at the beginning they had the rods. That's true. We saw the. I didn't ever. That never even occurred to me that that the Autobots had never heard of Energon cubes until they got to Earth. I did a little bit of research, but I've forgotten it already. That that I think you don't actually even see Autobots ever interacting with Energon cubes until really until late the, in the series. Oh, or in the movie, I guess they mention them, but you don't. They see mention them. them in the movie, right? They have to. They have to adopt. They have to rip off. Well, I think it was supposedly the Autobots came up with transformation to deal with the more powerful Decepticons, and the Decepticons stole the idea of transforming. And so then we see just every time that there's a military advantage, the other side has to compensate. Hmm. That's almost like real life. Yeah. Like when Caleb was a kid and he could do that, I had to figure out how to do it. Is this what we're doing right now? (laughs) Can you do this? Oh, Caleb has got me. I'm gonna. See, I just, I just, I'm gonna es- have to innovate. I just escalated it. <laughs> gotcha. You gotta innovate. Caleb oh. is farting with his hand over his eye, which is a, <laughs> always useful. Can you do the armpit? Yeah, I, I used to be able to. I don't know. I still. Can. Oh, I'm. Uh, are you glad we still kept doing the podcast, everybody? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Guys, maybe uh, or uh, well, is it? Do we have Ryan? Uh, do, perhaps, I have some uh, things. Some sp- deviations. <laughs> uh, late last night, I actually did find a database that has all of the first season scripts, um, and I think it's the one where I got the movie script from. Okay. The draft, the Ron Friedman draft. Um, but I didn't have time to look at it in detail, so most of the uh, script deviations for uh, More Than Meets the Eye Part 1 and 2, I took from the Transformers Wiki. Um, Which is a great source. Yeah, I mean, I steal a lot of information from there. Just I'm not going to credit them every time, but just know if I say something that's intuitive or that seems smart, it's probably from the TF Wiki. Fair enough. Um, we already talked about what the core tracks, like the, the weird mispronunciation. There's lots and lots of sound effects from Star Wars mm-hmm. throughout, even here and in the movie. Um, the possible reason for the confusion of Starscream's different voice at the top of the episode is that in the script, they're just described as generic Decepticons. And mm-hmm. Dan Gilgazan does the, does the voice of that Starscream. Okay. Um, in the early scripts, Mount St. Hillary is called Crater Mountain, which is not okay. very good. Um, after building the Decepticon temporary HQ, Skywarp finds a Frisbee and tosses it back and forth to Starscream before Megatron destroys it. <laughs> that's a really lame It's terrible. Edition. That's a good, that's a good um, like cut it, there. Uh, Soundwave was originally the first to be revived by Teletran 1. And um, there's a cross-out where... I wonder why he, they changed it. Maybe because it scans a, a plane. Because also in the original script, early, early, early on, Soundwave is Oh, a plane. yeah, I would have to go scan like a... a a tape recorder. <laughs> yeah, that and that's not that's not compelling yeah, TV. I was thinking maybe they just abbreviated SW in the script and the animators confused it because mm-hmm. it's Skywarp that got it. Not sound. No, 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 that's not, that's not it. No. Um, Teletron One uh, used human satellites to bounce signals off of to find alt forms instead of launching a spy a sky spy, which to me is a better idea, but maybe harder to like. It's not as easy to get the immediate mm-hmm. idea of what they're doing. 
Um, the rear-mounted gun that Cliff Jumper fires at Laserbeak, the cannon was originally a glass gun that shot gas, which is very hard to say, uh, which is why he says, it's a gas, but I don't know how a gas affects a machine. Unless it's maybe super hot. Yeah, or corrosive or plasma. Yeah. Um, that's all I had for the deviations. They'll be, and I, I, again, on the next episode, it's also from the TF Wiki, but then after that, I will actually have the original scripts. Sweet. Well, then I think it's maybe time to talk about our... We can. I am the ghost of the iconic movement. <laughs> you know. Uh, what do you What do you guys think, Caleb? What every man. Go first. Oh, the every man. Um, I think when uh, Rumble smacks uh, smacks. That's uh, pretty funny. Spike. It's pretty iconic. It comes back too. He does it again <laughs> later. But <laughs> it's it's the first thing I can think of after you ask me. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't it's just say what's on moment. screen, which isn't even it, technically in this episode. Use, that's why I couldn't use it. <laughs> Save it for next time. I will. It might be my next one. Uh-huh. Um, I will say it's really only meaningful since we did the movie first, but the parallels between how it starts with Laserbeak, the shuttle launch, yeah. the shuttle attack, that really gave me a, a lot of joy. And I was like, oh my god, wow, that's really fucking interesting. For me, it was just the opening scene on Cybertron, how amazing all those visuals were, and just the, the introduction to this whole thing, the shape-shifting robot concept. I mean, like that's... Cybertronian modes are always fun too. Yeah. Next episode, guys. Uh, there's there's been more than enough time without human friends, so it's time to bring that into the mix. There's going to be more energy thieving schemes, mm-hmm. so look forward to that. You could just plop that into any of these episodes. <laughs> I mean, damn overloads. Uh, energized rubies will prime die. <laughs> and that's it, guys. Yeah. Visit, visit our store. We got a cup. We got we got more Cup Rakuba posters. We got pins, and we're we're going to be coming to uh, TFCon in DC in October. So we'll definitely have more merchandise by that point. Maybe uh, you know. Hey, and I hope everybody had a great like great time at uh, TFCon Toronto as you're coming home on this Sunday if you're listening to it the day it drops. <laughs> and if you didn't have a good time at TFCon Toronto, it's probably your fault. Oh, some real victim blaming. Well, maybe. Maybe you got drunk the whole time like Aaron likes to does. <laughs> <laughs> please continue to listen and subscribe. on Five the- stars, please, on iTunes. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. We've got, if you're one of them uh, Apple uh, Podcast users, why don't you subscribe, review, as Ryan just said. Five stars, five stars is, please. is appropriate. Uh, there's, of course, the social media, most active on Twitter, followed by Instagram, then probably Facebook. All of them can be found at apoddecast, and there's the web presence, autopoddecepticast.com, where we post <laughs> lots of extra fun stuff on each episode's corresponding page. Did Ryan? you say Instagram was our where we do the most stuff? I think I was saying that Twitter, then Instagram, oh, okay. then Facebook the is what Facebook's I meant. Facebook's a so distant third. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, that clarification has been made. Go to our shop. Buy some merch. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. How was this episode, Aaron? This is okay for a shot. (laughs) For a shot. I'm going to do as much as I can. Ah, uh, yeah. From the white corner. I don't know. I don't know any shit about this beef, but you know, I'm bringing it. Bringing it for my main cuz. From the dark, it steps up. Time come the bombs. Sound the alarm, cuz. Real shit going on. It's the APDC. Coming at you, gonna get you. Brain Fletcher on the windshield. No force field. We'll protect you from the verbal laser cannon. The laser dragon skills as big as well as he swells into a planet. God damn it, I hear you said we took a trip to the burn ward. Oh my god. Coming up, mate. You're gonna see me coming with rage. I spent all my last lips with, with a twist of my wrist. I take all your gems, but then I take your M's. I'll show you who you are. That's as far as I got. That's pretty good. That is really good. <laughs> Hold on. I'll show you who's hard and I'll show you who's fucking where. Two mics, two theories with the fuck ups in your hair. I swear. Mike and Mike, more like Mike and Mike. Oop, Mike and Ike. With your candy ass style and your artificial flavors. It's a flavor to take. 
drown you out. No lightsabers. Oh, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> you think you can take us on like the wheelie taking tragedy bomb? Oh, that's all I got. That's why I can't. I can't read your lyrics, and the they are hard at the end. Brussels, Brussels, where we sell good. <laughs>